This is the Wesson Walker Show. I Not knew you were laughing at Michael Penix. That was yeah, no, it's, it's definitely Penix. I've heard it pronounced now. a couple it of different not, ways. It is, it's Wes. Come and on. you dry your bahuni and you dry like other... <laughs> what is he drying? Bahuni. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to start using that for oh. sure. And Walker. I can think of Joey Bats and Roughnet Odor. We know the punches were thrown there. What did I say? You want to say that first name again, bud? Roughnet is not his it's name. It's Runed Odor. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> yeah, but you also said Willie Stargle. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Willie Stargle. All right. We took it to the barn for uh, this intro coming back. Yeah. Fiddy told you that he was going to be playing his music. Yeah, and man. Been, you I know, felt we, like we got a break from it with the uh, nah, but yeah, Bad Moon Rising. Ooh, I yeah, felt like I should have some overalls on and a, a piece of straw hanging out my mouth, getting ready to go work oh, a hard God. day at the farm. Man, this is CCR. Bang, dang, 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 this dang. is mad disrespectful. No, I didn't say it was bad. I just said that's how the music makes me feel. When you listen to music, you get a feeling. I feel like I should be out tending to the chickens and the hogs when I hear this. I don't know if I get that from CCR, though. <laughs> I hear you. I don't think, yeah. I mean, I just think of, like, you know, I want to be outside drinking some beer, doing some little square Not dancing said, or something tending. like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're, I mean, and CCR, they're from, what, California? Listen, I'm not afraid of a little hard work. Is that, where, where's CCR mm. from? Let's do the, the drum. Get on it. Yeah, they said El Cerrito, California right. is where CCR is from. But I hear you. You know, you can hear that a little bit. I heard like maybe a little, you know, Born on the Bayou is what I think about as I well. Like Born on the so Bayou. like maybe that's I feel a, a little track. Cajun, but yeah. 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 No, I, di- I didn't say it was bad. I just said that's what it made me feel like doing. Where's my uh, chicken seeds at? So I can go out there and throw them around. All right. All right. But rising. anyway. No, check. <laughs> Uh, welcome back to the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ text line 704-570-9610 and don't forget the socials WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram at Westbryan underscore 72 at Walker Mail and at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram and most importantly the Wesson Wes and Walker page on Twitter so hit that follow button for all the behind the scenes content and you can always get those archived war cries on there. But let's get right to it. Josh Fitty Marlowe bringing you the live wire. Live wires on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. The east and the west. west. Up north to the down south. Live wires connect. You know by now that the Panthers coordinators, they talk on Thursdays. And today, offensive play uh, or offensive coordinator and play caller, Thomas Brown, he met with the media. And he talked about how many script plays he will start Sunday's game with. Good question. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I want to say that. Not playing. It'd probably be, I, I like being able to script just the first 24 normal D&D calls that I want to kind of prioritize and get to. I think most people have, you know, a top five or, you know, the generic deal is kind of more of a top 15, but it's more about just trying to figure out um, what I want to set up, how to attack it, things to play off each other, and also kind of get some inventory early in the game about how the defense is playing, just making sure that what we expect to see is going to be kind of confirmed based, based on the film study. Uh, and like I said before, also just marry some stuff to set up later in the game. Thomas Brown also talked about the middle of the field passing game and said that Adam Thielen and the success that he's had in the slot 
has been taking away from the tied in targets that he's getting there. I'm guessing Fiddy had that sound bite too. And... <laughs> I mean, I had a piece of sound I was going to play, but. Well, I didn't know. You, Do I didn't your know. thing, Kang. <laughs> Some more twang, I guess. Do your thing, Kang. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what I heard there. Anyway, what do you make of some of the comments there? One, that one where he's talking about the scripted plays, but also Adam Thielen maybe getting some of those targets in the middle of the field that would normally be reserved for the tight ends. And we just, we know how the tight end has not been featured in this offense. Yeah. I mean, well, I think the byproduct of that is just the fact that Adam Thielen's getting open. He's doing work in that slot, but it just leads to more anticipation of what he's going to bring to the table. Like I said, besides the rookie quarterback matchup, this is the thing I'm most excited to see uh, is Thomas Brown and what he's going to bring to the table. that could give a different flair. I'm not expecting a completely different offense, but I am expecting some wrinkles that's going to put his signature on this offense and say this game has been called by Thomas Brown. We have lamented the offensive struggles for uh, Miles Sanders and yesterday uh, he addressed the way he has played so far in his early Panthers career. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it feels like you feel like you might have something to prove. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I, I'm. I mean, I don't know. Pissed off how I've been playing, so um, it's, it's it's not it's not a secret. I mean, everybody's seen how I've been playing. It's not it's not good at all. So I'm just here to just to say that, and that's that's what I'm I'm just locked in. So. Least my man's aware he ain't living up to that contract we gave him in the offseason. One that me and Walker deemed a flea market GM move by Scott Fitterer. <laughs> what you make of the comment? Yeah, I, I like the self-awareness there. I mean, you get some guys that might pass the buck, you know, like a guy we talked about in the last segment that we had. But uh, I like the fact that he is self-aware that he hasn't been playing well, and I want to see how he's going to respond to it. It's one thing to tell me, but I'm a big actions guy as well. So what will your actions tell me? Are you going to come out and show the people why you were 1,200 uh, yard running back last season. Are you going to come out and show people that you were worth the money that you were paid? So he definitely hears the noise right now, and we'll see if he responds to it. Yeah, he hadn't been playing well, and it's unfortunate for the Carolina Panthers after getting rid of a running back that we all rallied behind in Deontay Foreman, and he goes to Chicago on a contract that is you know pretty slim, would not have taken much cap space at all if the Carolina Panthers would have just brought him back. And instead, they give out the richest contract given to a free agent running back and it's not working with Miles Sanders right now. Playing like the second best running back on the team behind Chuba Hubbard. I'd like to see him getting more involved in the pass game. That's where I've seen a difference between him and Chuba, but it just hasn't happened enough. And then since this injury, you did see Chuba overtake him and just run more physically. And we got to see him earn those hard yards. So we'll see if Miles Sanders, maybe the injury is holding him back in the previous, previous game. The bye week helping him out a little bit. Hopefully that helps, but it certainly has not been a great start for the running back. Well, given the struggles of Miles Sanders and the impressive play of Chuba Hubbard, Chuba, Chuba, so Chuba, far Chuba, Chuba, Chuba everywhere. What? Here, <laughs> Frank Reich addressed who's going to start at running back on Sunday when the Panthers return to the field. We'll see how the week goes. I mean, Chuba's been doing pretty well, and again, it's more more by rotation um, and more by play. A lot of times, we you know we have certain we have our eye on certain guys for certain plays we mix it up some so we kind of get through the week and make that um, deuce and i and thomas will sit down at the end of the week and kind of gear hey let's have let's put chuba in for these plays let's put miles in for these plays let's put raheem you know in for these plays um to try to spread that out a little bit do you like those comments from frank right uh yeah but you look at chuba but right now like you said that healthy 4.5 yards per carry is definitely something that 
you want to be excited about. He's got 18 rushing first downs. He's doubled up Miles Sanders and only played one more game. So this is a guy obviously running the ball harder. And uh, obviously in the NFL, too, you know, with the running back and the attrition at that position, you're going to spread it around. But I definitely think Chuba should get the bulk of the carries. I do, too. I, I think if, if you're running between the tackles, it doesn't mean that it has to be 70-30 or even 65-35. But I do want Chuba to, you know, get pretty close to 50-50 at least with Miles and then even a little bit more, especially if he's playing better, running between the tackles. You want to establish that type of run game. Chuba's the guy to me at this point. And then if you want to use two back sets, that would be interesting to see from Thomas Brown and maybe use Miles a little bit more in the passing game. We have seen running backs be involved in the passing game with the L.A. Rams offense. Is that something you can expect more of with Thomas Brown as the lead play caller? We started the show talking about the Hornets win on opening night. And a big reason why was Brandon Miller's impressive play off the bench. Here's what Hornets head coach Steve Clifford thought about the rookie's debut. Yeah, I mean, I think you can see tonight where he is, you know, not like most guys his age. I mean, you know, like, so he gets in foul trouble in the first half, which kind of, you know, some guys wouldn't be able to come back. Um, had a couple calls that could have gone his way, didn't get the calls, and then he makes huge, huge plays in the fourth quarter. And if you watch him, you know, he's got great self-confidence, you know, and he competes so naturally. And that's the way he is in practice every day also. I, and I don't even know if he was playing with a ton of self-confidence early on. Thought he was a, a little passive. Did have the three-point shot pretty deep on the wing for his first ever field goal attempt that was made. But the confidence was there in the fourth quarter. And he even told you that that step back three from the corner is what got him going. As soon as he saw that one go in... He knew it was good as soon as it left his hands. And that's when you see him cut, receive the pass from Mark Williams, finish at the rim, also come across the top of the key and hit that three-pointer. Needed every single one of those points to get you a comfortable lead and then hold on to it after he was able to hit one of those threes. Impressive debut from Brandon Miller. And again, not trying to do too much whatsoever. Letting the game come to him. He doesn't have all the offensive responsibility. Really like what you saw from him. And I think it's the kind of performance that you can see consistently. It's not like he did anything wild last night. Oh, he'll he'll have trouble doing that again. I think you can see this for the most part every single game and rely on it, which is nice to see. No question, man. You got to be excited about that. You like what you hear there. And yeah, he did get some early foul calls too where they talked about, you know, just being a rookie. That's some of the stuff you're going to have to deal with. You're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. But you like the fact that he's not scared to shoot the ball. Once he saw it go in, he got more and more confidence. And I think this is going to be his M.O. uh, for this season, man. I just feel like he's going to have a really good season and a role that he has. And I think it's going to prepare him well so that once he is inserted to that starting lineup, if it ends up being next year or midseason or whenever it is, he's going to have the confidence to be able to flourish. And just to not dodge any of the text messages I got, there was actually AJ. I don't know if he was being sarcastic. He said, did you see Scoot Ball last night? Looked really good. Would look good next to LaMelo. I was like, man, look, clearly I was a monster Scoot fan in the draft. His first half was awful. I it was yeah. turning it over. Oh, a five from the field didn't have any assist. I went to bed. I think with him having reached like oh for six early in the third. It's like who, buddy? This debut is not it 
for one, Scoot Henderson, then hit some shots, actually finished five of 11. So second half helped him out quite a bit. The jitters were there for Scoot, though, playing against the Clippers, where it's like Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook certainly hurt him quite a bit. And we'll see. Very different situation, man. Like Wimby is going to have a big influence on the game because of his defensive prowess. That's mm-hmm. what happens when you're seven, four yeah. and that mobile Scoot Henderson having the basketball in his hands a lot. I think you're going to see some very inefficient games from him, especially with his weakness, not being able to shoot where Brandon, here we are talking about him in a good situation. I think he's really going to help. Yeah. I mean, I think with Scoot, he'll be the next guard that comes into the NBA It's going to be tearing people up, putting them, putting up a bunch of uh, great statistical games and we'll win nothing. Mm, damn. Okay. Ouch. Sorry, Scoot. <laughs> All right. Move on. What uh, other comment do you have here on the live wire? All right. The last piece of audio we're going to play is uh, not only was the Hornet season getting underway yesterday, but ACC tip-off happened, and we got a chance to speak with North Carolina basketball head coach Huber Davis, and he talked about the goals for this year compared to what they were last year and the buy-in from his team. The goal for us each year for me is for us as a team to reach our full potential. I think in the first year we did. Last year that was the disappointment was that we didn't reach our full potential. Whatever that was, I don't know, but it wasn't that. And so, you know, there's a number of factors, you know, you could talk about, you know, our lack of being able to shoot and, you know, distribute the basketball. But, you know, I I think last year's group, you know, handling the direction of the noise from the praise and prosperity, you know, at times, sometimes you take your foot off the gas pedal a little bit and forget moments of what it actually took just to get there you know and you lose sight of that and so those are lessons that I think you know especially Armando and RJ have learned from last year to this year and just moving forward to see if we can become the best team we can this season well I mean let me just start out by saying that don't tell me you weren't sure necessarily what you were supposed to be or that you didn't know. We know what you were supposed to be last year. And you were supposed to be at worst a Final Four uh, team that at least got to the championship game. So you had a major disappointment last year, and there's no doubt about that. Now, the rest of it, you know, I'm I'm cool with, with what he said. A lot of coach speak there and, and a lot of truth in it as well. But we know what you were supposed to be last year. Let's not duck that. Any problems with you clearing your throat over there, I Mr. Finney Marlowe? You know, this is a professional radio show, and this is a professional <laughs> segment. And the disrespect that Wes Bryant showed Hubert Davis was uncalled for. And uh, I can't wait till Hubert Davis kicks Steve Forbes' ass later this year. That's okay, because okay, you haven't done it in a little bit. But anyway, when we come back, uh, we compare and contrast Carolina and Houston's rebuilds right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Welcome back, folks, to the Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. One more segment to go. We are coming down the home stretch, but we thank you for joining us on a Thursday. I'm sure a lot of you are excited. Tomorrow's Friday. So, uh, yeah, Thursdays always bring great optimism because, you know, the weekend is upon us. And with that, Carolina Panthers are back at it in action. We'll take on the Houston Texans. And uh, Houston has been one of the surprise teams 
in the NFL when you look at what they've been able to do. And for a lot of Carolina Panthers fans, I'm sure that they have kind of hurt them a bit with what they've been able to come out and do as compared to the Panthers, who are still winless. And you take a look at the Houston Texans. They're right in the thick of things in the AFC South. Not sure anybody believes that they're going to win the division. Jacksonville seems to be a team that's picking up steam uh, week after week. Undefeated on the road, Jacksonville is 2-2 two and two at home. Uh, but the Houston Texans, like it or not, are 3-3 three and three plus 22-point differential. And so as these two teams meet up, we know the story, the main storyline. Keeping the main thing, the main thing is the rookie quarterbacks with Bryce Young and uh, C.J. Stroud and with what these two guys are doing in comparison. And so when you look at what he's doing right now, as far as C.J. Stroud is concerned, uh, he's playing really great football, okay? And so he passed for 199 yards, two touchdowns in week six. He's got zero interceptions in five or six games. Um, you know, he's got two touchdown passes in four of the last five games, and he leads all rookies with 1,660 passing yards, nine touchdowns, nine touchdowns and has gotten uh, earned a 96.4 rating on the season. As far as Bryce Young, we know that he struggled, but we also see him uh, getting better week to week, and he still hasn't put together that full complete game that you want to see, but you like the completion percentage, 63.2. Hasn't crossed the 1,000-yard threshold, which we'd assume that he's going to do this week with six touchdowns to four interceptions, and I think that's decent progress for a guy, all things considered, that doesn't have the greatest uh, supporting cast. But when you look at this, Walker, there's some things that are glaring to you with the way both of these teams have gone about their 2023 seasons when you talk about the trajectory, picks they've made, uh, coaching hires, whatever the case may be. I think they had a they had a few things in place. And if you listen to Dominique Foxworth, him talking about it on his podcast, one thing he really believes in when drafting a rookie QB is setting your franchise up for that rookie QB first, making sure you have all the right pieces in place, and then you go get your guy for the future. It's not like Houston had done a phenomenal job making sure they put those pieces in place, but they had a couple of important ones. They had your left tackle already. The offensive line isn't amazing, but you got Laramie Tunsil. You locked him in. He's under contract. You're going to feel good about protecting a right-handed quarterback's blind side. And then on the receiver side of things, they take care of a draft pick using, or they take care of a wide receiver using a draft pick. Tank Dell looked very good, was out this last game. I believe he had a concussion. He'll be but, back this week, though. Yep, looks like he's going to play against Carolina. Tank Dell's been playing well. Nico Collins playing even better than that. And so even if we didn't expect them to have good wide receiver play, Tank Dell's developed in year one, and Nico Collins, as soon as you gave him a quarterback, he's been flourishing. So now that you have two wide receivers in place you feel good about, you have a blindside protector in Laramie Tunsil you feel good about, Icky, it's still a little dicey with him protecting for Bryce Young. Wide receivers, you're talking about Adam Thielen and not a lot of other weapons for you. I like Damian Pierce as a running back. They haven't really gotten him going a lot yet, and so a little disappointing there. But I do like Damian Pierce. He was somebody that was performing pretty well last season. If you're into fantasy, I think he was a a hot commodity in your draft once it got slim pickings in the running back pool. So I think they had a few pieces in place here, Wes, before they went and they got their guy. Unexpectedly so. I'm not saying we were all calling it. In Mm -hmm. fact, that's what's interesting about that organization as a whole. But they had pieces more in place 
with that organization. And it's the exact opposite with Carolina. We thought they were good. We thought we were dropping a QB in a good situation. In reality, man, it wasn't nearly as good as we thought. No, it was not. And when you look at how these two teams have gone about bidding their teams, they go and get the young defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans. We know what type of player he was in the league. One of the more underrated linebackers uh, during his tenure, but he was a really, really good player. Rookie of the year, uh, right? Yeah, during Close his time it. in the NFL. So he's got that defense rolling already. And he showed that he doesn't need the San Francisco personnel to be able to do that. Uh, they're eighth in scoring defense. This is definitely the definition of a bend but don't break defense because they're 25th uh, in total yards and then you talk about that they have surrendered the eight fewest points per game uh, in the league and then when you go check out the stats they've hit on some of these draft picks you talked about Tank Dale you talked about CJ Stroud then uh, Henry T I'm going to call him because I'm not sure how to pronounce that name the 202 yeah, two okay all right uh, the linebacker out of Alabama that they drafted he leads the team in tackles with 45 of those so it looks like they hit there and then Will Anderson uh, he's a guy that he's only gotten one sack and two tackles for loss so far, but he's also got eight quarterback hits in six games. So he's a young pup uh, that's still learning. But you like some of the draft picks they had. They had the courage in their convictions to move up to go and get uh, Will Anderson as well, one of the better pass rushing prospects to come out in quite some time. And so, like I said, it seems to be working out for them uh, to this point. They play in a division that – you know, it's tough, but it's not anything that's insurmountable. I think Jacksonville, like you said, they're really starting to hit that trajectory. But I think when you look at where they are offensive line-wise, you talk about uh, Laramie Tunsil being there. But this was the offensive line that Tunsil's missed a lot of time this year. This team has had to shuffle around a lot. They've been missing four to five offensive linemen uh, almost weekly. They've had to replace a lot of guys, and they're still playing well. And I think it points to their scouting being a little bit better than Carolina's at this point because uh, they're tied for 11th in sacks per game surrendered at 2.2. And so you look at Carolina, they're down there at 26. And so I think that a lot of people are trying to make it seem like Houston has this great team and that people were expecting to be really good. But no, they've dealt with offensive line issues all season long when you talk about injuries. And then they have guys that have stepped up and become really good players at the wide receiver position. Now, whether it was a case of them waiting on the right quarterback to get them in position to be what they are or however you want to look at it, but Talked about Nico Collins, 91 yards a game. Tank Dale, 64 yards a game. These are guys that are getting open, winning. And then you've got the KG veteran, Robert Woods, and then Dalton Schultz at tight end. So he's got a fairly decent uh, set of weapons when you look at C.J. Stroud. So I think right now they're definitely ahead of the curve in Carolina as far as putting together the foundation for their rookie quarterback, and it's resulted in wins. Yeah, when you're winning games, of course they're going to be ahead of the curve. Better than 0-6. And – they started off 0-2. If you look at this Houston Texans record, they lose 25-9 against the Ravens, 31-20. They're 0-2, and that was against the Colts, that second loss, by the way. And then they rattled off three wins of their last four games, and beating Jacksonville was the real surprise. I think that gave them a lot of confidence. So you hold Jacksonville to 17 points. You went 37-17. to C.J. Stroud's best game, I believe. He had 380 points, or excuse me, passing yards. He had 280 uh, passing yards against the Jags. He had uh, 380 passing yards against the Colts, and so did that in a loss. But my point is, this defense has held some talented offense in check a little bit. Lamar Jackson in the first game threw for 169 yards, only five incompletions but also only 169 yards. 
So, okay, they're starting to figure out Todd Munkin's offense. It took a little while, but they certainly clicked against Detroit. And then against Jacksonville, you think the Jags are going to light them up. That didn't happen. They only scored 17 points against that Houston Texans defense. They held Pittsburgh to just six points. They held the Falcons to 21, and they held the Saints to 13. If the offenses haven't been clicking, then they haven't been able to get right against Houston, which I think the expectation going into this season was once we play the Texans, this is where we can figure some problems out with our own squad. Now you can't. Now you got to make sure you're already figured out before you head into that matchup Mm -hmm. because they'll expose you. And that's the difference. I don't think Houston's not a Super Bowl contender. I don't have them that good. But I mean, with Houston, yeah, they're probably they're a postseason contender as it stands right now, mm-hmm. being 500 in an AFC South, which it's not like they're all that much better than the NFC South. So with the Houston Texans contending, I mean, Wes, it feels like huh, this season we thought was going to happen for the Panthers. It's happening. It's just happening in Houston, competing in a weaker division with a rookie QB, having just good enough wide receivers hitting on a not first round receiver that is a rookie like Tank Dell for them. We thought it might be Mingo. It's happening. It's just happening in Houston and unfortunately not in the Queen City. Yeah, and so when you look at this matchup, though, and Thomas Brown making his debut, do you feel like that this is a big advantage for Carolina? Because now Carolina's had that bye week to install some of the wrinkles that they're going to put in. Thomas Brown has had a chance to put his stamp on this offense with the extra week of preparation. So for a guy like uh, D'Amico Ryans, I feel like that this is an advantage for Carolina because Houston's not quite sure what they're going to get at this point. I know the offense is going to mostly stay the same, but as far as some of those little wrinkles that Carolina's going to throw in that is going to usher in the Thomas Brown offensive era, I think that is something that they need to take advantage of because I'm sure to a man, if you ask D'Amico Ryans, he's not quite sure what to expect from this offense with a new offensive coordinator that we haven't seen call plays yet for a full game. Uh, both teams are coming off of a bye, so they are going to be helped in as far as the time off goes. Whatever they want to study, Rams offense, Panthers, a mix of both, trying to figure that out. You're right, it's going to be tough because we haven't seen Thomas Brown call a game before. We have seen him call second halves in the preseason. I wonder how much film studies going on there. Maybe you can apply that to the regular season, but you're right. There's not a lot of film. Thomas Brown is new to this. It's going to be his first regular season game that he calls plays. For Carolina, I don't know if it's an advantage to switch play calling going into a game, but if you were to do it, this is why they decided to do it the day after their game ended their last time out. That's why... I understand why people would be a little concerned, frustrated, rookie QB. Now we're already changing play callers. (laughs) A little concerning for sure, but if you're going to do it, then you want an extra week to install that offense, however different it might be, whether it just be a couple wrinkles in there or whether it looks significantly different. At least they did it when they had an extra week to install. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think this is something that Carolina – Uh, has to take advantage of in this football game and a chance to wear, you know, at this point, Houston's defense is established. And yes, we sit there, bend, but don't break. But Thomas Brown can watch and see their tendencies and he can see what they do. And of course, he's going to cook up something for Carolina that they haven't seen before on a down or two. 
But for the most part, if you're Carolina, this is a real chance to be able to uh, maybe capitalize and get some points off of the uh, ignorance, for lack of a better term, of the Houston Texans defense not knowing what's coming. Here's a question. It's not like these two are completely unfamiliar with one another. They both come from the same division. So if you look at San Francisco with D'Amico Ryans having called defenses there after Robert Sala left, Thomas Brown was just there last year helping out with the offense under Sean McVay. There probably is a little bit more of a familiarity between these two. The difference is D'Amico Ryans was calling plays defensively for that team. Thomas Brown wasn't, but he was a part of the staff. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if that went into this at all. Saying, all right, you know a little bit about how mm-hmm. D'Amico runs things. They don't have Fred Warner. Well, they, it's funny. I mentioned that. They do have the number one rated linebacker in all of pro football focus, if you subscribe to that. But they don't have the defense, the talent on defense that San Francisco does. Yet still, we know how well that unit is playing. At least he knows. At least he has game planned for a D'Amico Ryans-led defense before with Thomas Brown, and hopefully that's an advantage for this Carolina Panthers team. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I like that you did bring that up. That That's a very astute point uh, that you bring to the table is that even if he doesn't know, he's got a working knowledge of what the Rams like to do, some of those tendencies, because we know San Francisco's dominance over the Rams as of late, and he was a part yeah. of that when you talk about D'Amico Ryan. So I think that he does have a working knowledge of what Thomas Brown could do, but we never know what this guy's going to do. It's so true about Josh Fitty Marlowe. There's no game. I need all the bye weeks in the world to prepare all of them. And I'm still not prepared. (laughs) Hit the Fitty flash. Fitty. Very NBA-esque field show with the Hornets winning. My live wire had some audio. Two flashes now focusing on the association. Did you guys see that the All-Star game is going back to its original format, the Eastern Conference versus the Western Conference, comprising of 12 players from each conference? I'm pretty sure the Elam ending is also being taken out of the event. What do you guys think of the NBA basically going back to its roots with its All-Star event? Well... You want to go? No, I was going to say, I mean, you do the same thing and expect different results. That's the definition of insanity. I think the NBA just needs to cut the nonsense and up the pay for the All-Star game, and then you'll get the type of play uh, that you want from these guys because I think that's the only thing that's going to make them move. Well, the the Elam ending was good. Yeah. I did like it. So I'm not But I'm saying if they go back to the old way of just letting them play – I don't think we're going to get anything great. I don't mind East versus West as much. I guess at at some points you might lose a deserving all-star just because they play in a tougher part of the NBA. So that was always the problem when they decided to go with the team captains. I don't mind it as much, though. Hopefully it doesn't happen every single year. The Elam ending, and we were raving about this. Yeah. And it was a lot more competitive down the stretch when we decided, oh, okay, you know, Team Giannis, they got a real chance to win this thing. Team LeBron, they just might do it. And they are actually competing and then playing defense. It's the closest you can get to real basketball with the best players in the sport. So if they're getting rid of the Elam ending, I, that would be something I wouldn't go for. Yeah, that's the main thing I'm saying. If they decide to get rid of that, but if they keep it, then that's cool. I don't care if they go back to the conference uh, alignment as far as how they choose the guys, man. So I'm good with that. I mean, we've seen the NFL scrap the actual Pro Bowl game. Now they're out there playing 
dodgeball and God knows what else. How soon before the NBA just gives the game up? I, th- I think baseball is the only one that will never give it up because, well, it's, it's the oldest. Yeah, I don't think the NBA is ever going to give it up. It's too well attended. It's still got uh, a fair amount of interest in it as far as the whole weekend is concerned. So I don't see the NBA giving up the All-Star game. I would not like that at all. I, I've always enjoyed the NBA All-Star game regardless. So uh, I think it'll be fun. NBA, even if the defense is non-existent at times, and sometimes some years it's worse than others. The actual product. It can still, yeah. Oh, God, that's <laughs> that he loves himself. The NBA right. is a bad product phrase. But the NBA lends itself to a better show, even if it's not played to what you usually see, compared to the NFL. I just If the NFL, you're out there playing 50%, it's boring as hell to watch. Well, we're not going to tackle this guy that receives a handoff, but if I get a, Jones. Yeah, if I get a three, if I get a 360 dunk and nobody's playing defense, there's still some excitement level to that. I'm not saying I love it, but I don't I'm with you in that regard. I don't think the NBA All-Star game is going anywhere. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, when we come back, we close this thing down. This is the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. to go on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I have four things written down to address in the last segment. Uh Let's go ahead and check off the boxes here. Number one, this song, great, Fiddy's feeling it, brought me back to CCR, Bad Moon Rising playing. Mm -hmm. I had Drum do some research for us. We always appreciate Drum helping (laughs) us out. So I was looking, would you consider CCR a little country or is it just strictly Southern rock? How much twang do you have? Because CCR from California, Mm -hmm. John Fogarty was obsessed with the South. This is all Google based too, by the way, Mm. and decided to roll with the Southern twang rock, bad moon rising born on the bayou. You know, CCR. Now we, we got the picture. Is it like, does it cross over in the country at all? I would say Southern Southern rock. rock. That that one track that they, that Fitty just played definitely was country. But as far as, uh, I wasn't aware that they were the ones that made Born on the Bayou. That's definitely Southern rock. I love that song. But that's Bad Moon Rising, too, because I wouldn't consider Bad Moon Rising country. I would consider that more Southern rock, and they call it Swamp Rock. Mm-hmm. So I feel that. What do you think, Fiddy? Let's go to you on this. I would probably lean Southern rock. I think so, too. I just call it good old classical music. That's what I call it. Yeah, right up there with the <laughs> Beethoven. <old> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something, you know, Beethoven. Something Bach would be proud of. Yeah. Who? Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Chef Brandon Albemarle, he said, classic rock is not country. Uh, I don't know what the other part means, so I'll just not read it. Joey from Huntersville said, yeah, CCR, just rock, no Southern in front. See, I think it's okay to put the Southern in yeah, there. Yeah, because think. Southern rock has a definite sound to it that distinguishes itself from uh, kind of run-of-the-mill rock and roll. Yeah, Rachel loves CCR. I'd say classic rock more so than just Southern rock. So I'm trying to figure mm. out what it is. Yeah, I, I figured this one would be tough. To like, what constitutes classic rock? Well, and this is the thing, too. How much do you put into the fact that CCR is from California, El Cerrito, California, mm-hmm. And they're not really from the South. Yeah. Is there a little bit of this Larry the Cable Guy effect who's from Minnesota, but here he is doing the good old boys type thing? Yeah. Um, that's interesting, too, because 
then you and I walk up being a hip hop fans. We are like, would we consider guys who are from California or New York doing trap music? We wouldn't consider them Southern artists. See, I, I think, right. But also how much do they embody it as much? Right. So with CCR, I still think Southern rock. That's what I think it is. I do. I do. Even too. if they're not from there, even if they're not from the Bayou, it's got that feel. That's what I'm going to say. All right. I'm glad we all figured that out. That's one thing on my list. Let's see how many other ones we get to. Number two, uh, maybe a new thing we try out. People love when we go to the foul line. You mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter who goes there. You, Fitty, me every once in a while. Doesn't matter who goes to the foul line. People love it. I like the idea of Fitty being the official, being the ref. He has, <laughs> his, he has his whistle, and he gets to call a foul Anytime he feels like there's a good foul line rant. Now, perhaps he gets a little too froggy with the whistle. He blows the whistle a little too often, even if I don't have a rant yeah. going. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're down eight or up eight in Cameron. All of a sudden, the whistle gets a little bit tired. You want me to blow it like that? I don't. See, <laughs> I'm afraid you might get a little too whistle happy because the foul line's great. We love it. Yeah. So I'm a little nervous about that, but I do want to try out giving just Fitty full autonomy over the whistle. We don't have it. We don't get to blow the whistle. He Fitty exercised does. it well right there. I, I agree. I totally agree. With mine today. I promise to do better than Carl Hess did. Okay. You could tell, boy, that <laughs> you know, just burning up with old hatred. Yeah, uh, I cannot stand them. I know you can't. All right, so I think people, uh, I think people would like that. I think I would like to try that out. You did a good job today controlling the whistle. The other thing is, I think I only have three. By the way, I lied. Not four, <laughs> but only three. The other one is Fitty brought to my attention that it's Pumpkin Day. National mm-hmm. Pumpkin Day. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not International Pumpkin Day? <laughs> that's, 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 not, that's not what Twitter said. <laughs> Only America celebrates Pumpkin Day. Just wanted to make sure. Are there pumpkins in other countries, Walker? I don't know. I've never been. That's not true. I have been to other countries. But I didn't see pumpkins there, to be fair. So I don't know. I have seen pumpkins in America. And so now it is National Pumpkin Day. How do we feel about pumpkin spice stuff? Ooh. Do we care? Do we indulge? I do enjoy the pumpkin uh, donut from Dunkin' Donuts, and okay. I do like the pumpkin donut holes as well. Uh, that's probably about as far as it goes. But because of that, uh, that opened me up to more pumpkin-flavored things, so I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> this sounds like a very <laughs> honest conversation. Wes really went to do that. You know, because of it, I, I decided to dabble in the pumpkin sphere. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know what? It, it really opened my eyes. It did. One thing that my mom does is cook fantastic pumpkin bread, and she'll put chocolate chips in it. Oh, oh God. Oh, yeah. It's sagebrush <laughs> mode When are you sure. going to Boone? I'm telling you. You know what? She, I think she would enjoy it. You know, Wes's mom can have the pound cake. My mom might be able to make us some pumpkin pie, pumpkin bread with some chocolate chips in it. Pumpkin trifle she also makes oh, for Thanksgiving. God. And it is ooey, gooey goodness. Yeah, my girl's mom made a pumpkin cheesecake, actually. Sounds we were great. eating that, and it was I'm in. really, really good. Like, it was great. You just tell me that cheesecake can go badly, but I'm always willing to try it. I'm always in on the cheesecake. Fitty, you're crying tears of joy? Because this, I mean, wow, this is a double-edged good. sword. Because I, I got really, really happy when I saw his National Pumpkin Day. Because pumpkin pie is my favorite pie at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. But it also made me really, really sad. Because one of the activities I've longed to do as a single man is hold hands with a woman and go to the pumpkin patch. You know what? I <laughs> forgot about this conversation last year. And it's just another reminder. I have no woman to go to the pumpkin patch with and hold hands with. This was a big part of our show before we even launched the show last year. Do you remember this, Wes? Yeah. 
I forgot all about it. I can't believe I allowed this to sneak up on me the way it did. <laughs> we should have been more prepared to try to find Fiddy a date to the pumpkin patch. That should be the date. That's that's our that's our mission right now. I would love to do it. So yeah, that'd be fantastic. Would love to find it. Uh, last couple of texts we'll get on a bunch of topics. 704, the only text message in here. That's how I know someone is triggered. They are not here for our CCR conversation. <laughs> the only text that we've received so far, unless it's been deleted. CCR is all caps, not Southern Rock, you morons. The band has to be from the South to be considered Southern Rock. All right. I like how people Go just feel like yourself. they can insult us because they're behind a the keyboard. Can we bring that, that, Kyle that's just my favorite in thing. on this? I would like to ask Kyle. I feel like he would have some good opinions. Sure. CCR. Creedence Clearwater Revival. Correct. Are they considered Southern Rock? Um, From a genre standpoint, yes. But when you learn that they're from San Francisco, you never right. look at them the same way. That's okay. Larry the Cable Guy. From Nebraska. Right. I thought he was from Minnesota, to be I, honest. I saw, I saw him live once when I was very young and very drunk, and I, you know, I, I laughed a little bit, and then I found out that he was from Nebraska, and the whole thing was an act, and I've hated him ever since Okay. Then. All right. Uh, so, wow. As a genre. What? Okay. What do you mean? I mean, he's an actor. It you doesn't I mean, matter. I mean, I mean you, you not respect Bob great Bailey actors. Is a staunch if you didn't man. grow up below the Mason-Dixon line and culturally understand being from the South, you don't get to pretend to be a Southerner, especially not for a living. Are you, you kidding me? Yeah, that's kind of like, what, what was the movie uh, with the white boy rapper acting like he was from the hood? Oh, Malibu. It's B-Rad. Yeah, Mal yeah, yeah, Malibu. You're saying Malibu Larry the Cable Guy is B-Rad, is what you're saying. He is. He's a country B-Rad. That's what yeah. he is. Absolutely. I can agree with that. Yeah. I mean, it's not. I'm not trying to gatekeep, but like, it's cultural appropriation for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Like, I mean, those are two words that you know white dudes don't often get to use. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Really I demand it. there to be a difference. Yeah. <laughs> CCR. Great music. Decidedly not southern. You get it's like when you find out that like the, some of these southern rock bands came from. Uh, uh, Canada, like there's a deep Southern rock culture in Canada, yeah. And so you hear some of the all-time mm -hmm. classic songs. You're like, man, that's a Southern rock banger. And you find out everybody that sang it's from, you know, Ontario, Saskatchewan. <laughs> you, you get to sing "Born on the Bay." You don't get to sing "Born on the Bayou." Yeah, Anything like that. You you change it. Golden Gate. Born on the Bay. That's what I would say. Yeah, I don't think that sounds the same. <laughs> Done hit. No, that's all right. You know what does though? The Kyle Bailey Show. It Thank does. You for we that. get busy. And we stay busy. <laughs> <laughs> They're about to get busy in a different way. I promise. Not me and Smoke. That's gross. Yeah, that is kind of gross. All right, Kyle Bailey, Smoke Ludwig. They're coming at you. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC.